Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Slow Home Podcast. I'm Brooke McCallery, your host, and my co-host is Benjamin McCallery. G'day. Hi. How you going? Good. Episode 21, yes. the coming of age episode. So that's we the episode. Can now legally drink in America. We can now legally drink while we're doing this podcast. Okay. Are you offering? <laughs> uh, so today we have a, a really cool conversation actually with Kelly Exeter, an Australian writer and blogger and um, various other errs. Um, but she and I had an awesome conversation a few weeks ago, which kind of tied into the theme that we've been dealing with over the last few weeks um, of whether or not you know slow living applies to people who have jobs or whether or not it's something that is um, you know solely kind of applicable and accessible to single income families we've I know we've spoken a lot about it and last week's episode people have provided some really awesome feedback about about the issue yeah I think we've received the most amount of feedback to date from that um, uh, hostful podcast, episode number 20. If you haven't listened to it, I strongly encourage you to do so. And the feedback has been enormous and, you know, we're, um, we encourage more of it um, and it's certainly something that um, we'll hopefully address in the next hostful. But um, the beauty about this, uh, today's episode, is that um, – you openly talk about sort of anxiety and and depression with Kelly, don't you? We do, yeah. Um, Kel and I have had a really similar kind of trajectory, I guess, into discovering a slower, simpler way of life, Um, even though her life looks quite different to mine now in that she works full-time on top of writing, um, blogging. She's an author. Uh, You know, so our day-to-day lives are quite different now, but she goes into her story quite a bit in our conversation, but yeah, we've had a really similar kind of past few years, I think, and we talk about that a lot. I really love, um, I've, I've read her uh, blog and I've read her sort of story, if you like, and can relate a lot to to her and her husband's um, path and journey to find that, um, um you know, the, the whole myth of, of balance. But um, it's a very interesting conversation and it is brought to you by our partners at Audible. It is. So if you would like to get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial at audible.com, uh, you can go to audibletrial.com slash slow, forward slash slow, uh, and you can uh, get your, your free audiobook. One of the audiobooks that you could get would perhaps be Amy Poehler's Yes, Please, one of my absolute favorite books of the last couple of years, um, something that I've referred back to a lot. So if you're interested in getting an audio version of that book for free or any other book of your choosing, and there's about 180,000 of them on offer, go to audibletrial.com slash slow. The Audible book, I think, is funnier than the book book. I don't know. For some reason, I think both Tina Fey's and Amy Poehler's audio books are better in audible form. Big call, huge. For all your uh, so the, for the show notes to this podcast, you can visit slowyourhome.com forward slash twenty one, where you'll find all the uh, references that are, are mentioned 
in uh, in today's discussion with Kelly, including her uh, her blog, which you can yeah. visit at kellyexeter.com.au. And in the words of my son Toby, enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, Brooke. How are you? Oh, great. Always great to be chatting with you. It is. I I love catching up. We don't get to do it very often, so it's lovely to talk to you. Oh, I know. I know. (laughs) Um, Thank you very much for, you know, for joining me. It's it's, uh, a really good opportunity to chat with you. No, definitely. Yeah, as you say, we don't get to, we are on opposite sides of the country, so we, we don't get to see each other in real life. We get the odd email here and there, but no, definitely great to be able to chat. It's uh, it's funny, you know, I feel like in terms of time difference and stuff, it may as well be another country, really, kind of yeah. three, three and a half hours. So. Yeah. <laughs> we are the most isolated, what is it, capital city in the world in Perth. So yeah, it is, you know, being in WA, it is basically being another country. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't really think about Australia, the size of Australia very often, but when I realise that there's parts of the country that are three and a half, three hours different uh, in time, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, it's a fairly sizable part of the planet. <laughs> Yes, indeed. It gets very annoying, that time difference. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So jumping in, um, (laughs) Ben and I were talking about uh, you and your writing a couple of weeks ago and he, you know, did some reading of your blog and your story and he looked at me and he said, I think you and Kelly are kind of the same person. (laughs) (laughs) It is scary. We are a bit like that. So often I read you like something you've written and on your blog and think to myself, my God, I I could have written this. It's, it is very, very similar. We're similar in how we think we're similar in our journeys. And um, yeah, it's, it's nice. <laughs> it is. It it's is nice. nice. To know that someone else out there is like me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't feel quite so alone in my oddity. Um, so, you know, speaking of your journey, your story, it's really very similar to mine. So, if people have been listening to the podcast, you know, from the beginning, they might have heard a bit about it. But um, it's similar in a lot of ways. But we both came to the realization that you know things needed to change drastically uh kind of about the same time that we became parents um so can you tell me a little bit about that time in your life when things started to feel too overwhelming and you started to to kind of struggle yeah well I do say on my blog there's just this this moment you know you know you know things you they're in the back of your mind you know things kind of need to change and you kind of think you're doing stuff to to change to make life better because um, that okay so obviously like you I was completely overwhelmed by life I was um, stressed out of my mind and for me stress triggers anxiety and then anxiety triggers depression so I found myself at home one day my um, husband had just taken our son off to daycare um, and I was kind of meandering around the house basically in this kind of existing mode frame of mind and um I just had this thought into my mind that it would life would be much easier for my husband if I was not here, if I was gone, if I and it was kind of like you know I've spoken to I've had a friend who's 
thought about it, well, not thought about it, she's tried to commit suicide before. And I remember saying to her, um, well, how could you do that? You know, what? how could you do that to the people that love you? And she's like, you know, you're not thinking about anybody else when you're in that mode. You're, um, you know, you're only thinking about yourself and the pain that you're in. And that moment in time for me really gave me an understanding of what she was talking about because even though I was thinking, oh, life would be easier for my husband, what I was really thinking was life would be easier for everyone if I wasn't in this world. And obviously that's not a a rational way to be thinking. Um, And it was a real wake-up moment for me because, you know, that was the first time that kind of thought had seriously entered my head Um, and I knew that something really, really, yeah, I've had to take drastic steps at that stage. So, um, yeah, I was, you know, the reason I was overwhelmed is because, you know, I was running my own business. Um, I didn't have any time off when my son was born. Um, you know, he was born on the 31st of July and I was sending invoices from hospital the next day because I had to, I hadn't set up my business to operate without me in it. So even though I had guys in the office doing the actual work, it still fell to me to do everything else. So, of course, I was trying to be a mum for the first time. I was trying to you know, be everything to everyone. I was trying to be a great boss, a great um, wife, a great mum, a great daughter, a great, you know, a great friend. And of course, feeling like I was doing none of those things well. And, you know, and then it's, you know, eventually it just, you know, I got into such a, such a deep hole. I just couldn't see, I couldn't see how life was going to get better. And I think that kind of sums up that moment in time is when I reached that point of, you know, I just think it'd be easier for Ant if I wasn't here that told me, wow, you've reached a place where you really legitimately can't see how you're going to make life better. And, you know, I think you and me both are like this and that we feel like we should be able to fix things. We should be able to fix ourselves. And um, that was the moment when I realised, okay, I'm going to need a bit more help. I can't get myself out of this by myself effectively. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I you. it's just it's exactly the same you know situation as me and my my reactions were the same and my wake-up call was was very similar um and it's just that realization that you can't it's not necessarily something you can handle by yourself because you know thinking I could handle everything by myself was part of the reason that I was so overwhelmed mm-hmm. exactly yeah um, and it's very frustrating it's very it's a big hit to the ego to find that out, that mm-hmm. we can't fix everything because we're fixers, you know. If there's something going on in other people's lives, like, we we can help. We can fix it for them. You know, it, in, within our families, we're, we're the ones that keep everything on an even keel. So, yeah, it was. it's a real big realisation and shock to the system to kind of have to admit far out, I actually, I can't do this, so... I need somebody else to assist me in this, you know. Yeah, just putting your hand up or, you know, speaking out and saying, I need help. And at that time, um, I know personally, I just felt like asking for help uh, in any regard was weakness or, you know. Or failure, you know. Exactly, not coping. uh, And also I think it's because, you know, we do create this aura is not the right word, but I'm going to have to go with it because I can't think of another word. Um, <laughs> but we do create this aura around ourselves that we've got it all going on. We've got life under control. We are, you know, it's all that. And so to admit that we don't is another, you know, because that's you know, a big foundation of 
you know, I know it was a big foundation of who I was, that, you know, I was a person that was on top of life. That was my personal brand. And, yeah, to admit that I wasn't, it was that was a pretty big deal. It's huge to have to, to say, you know, you put your best foot forward because that's that's kind of the way you've always done things. And when you get to that point, like, I actually yeah. can't put any of my feet forward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just, um, I'm, yeah, completely at sea. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you came to that realization and you recognized that something needed to change. Did you, did you know what needed to change? Did you know what you wanted to shift or, you know, or to make different straight away? Um, I, I was kind of sort of in the middle of doing stuff at the time. I'd kind of taken some leave from work. My husband had taken over running the business because he happened to be on leave, on long service leave at the time. Um, but what I had done is, so of course he sent me home to get better and what I did at home was do more stuff because mm-hmm. um, that's my coping mechanism. That's how I feel like I'm contributing to the world. I, I wasn't, you know, so he sent me home to get better and I was I couldn't deal with that help um, and I had to feel like I was contributing to the household and the household budget. So, yeah, I took on... <laughs> a whole bunch of other work that wasn't related to the work I'd been doing before. Um, so I think that was the big thing at that moment in time is where I realised, oh, my God, you, you, you're such an idiot. You know, you've you've just repl- you've been sent home to rest and you've just taken on more stuff. So, okay, you have to get rid of that stuff. So it took um, probably a better part. Of, and then also I got help. I got proper – I went to start – I started seeing a psychologist. So I – had to go to my doctor and say to them, I think I need help, which is also a really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. You just kind of feel like your doctor's going to roll their eyes at you and go, well, what are you talking about? You look perfectly fine or, you know, you look like you've got it together, like, you know. Um, so that was that was really hard. Um, the very first appointment with the psychologist was really hard. I was in – I drove into the um, driveway and then just got seized by this massive, massive edge to just back the hell out of there and go. Um, and I'm not too sure what I was frightened of. Again, I think probably admitting that I didn't have everything under control was a big thing. But also just <clears throat> I think the, the, I knew that it was just going to be a huge emotional toll downloading on this person and because I knew as I'd kind of locked away all the way that I had been feeling and I knew that talking to her was going to bring that all up to the surface. And, I, and emotionally, I just thought, oh, I just can't deal. But I made it. I got inside. I did that first session. It was full on. It was I cried a lot. I, um, you know, I, I was completely, completely wrung out by the end of it. But it was funny. She said one thing in the I mean, she com- it was interesting because she completely validated. I'd got in my head that, like, look, the way that I feel is how lots of people feel. You know, why? This is just life, isn't it? <laughs> and um, so, you know, it's kind of scary how quickly certain ways of thinking and living can become normal. Um, so she, one of the things she did was completely validated that, no, this is not normal to be feeling like this and it is something that needs that you need help fixing. Um, but the other thing that she said to me was that, Kelly, you are just exhausted, completely, completely exhausted. 
and you need to do something about that as well. And and I don't know why that particular line um, really resonated and just made me feel like the weight of the world had lifted off my shoulders. I think it was possibly because you kind of gave it a name, you know, like you're, you're suffering from extreme exhaustion from trying to be everything to everybody in the world, not just the people around you. Like you're trying to be everything to everyone that you come across in the most minuscule of ways. Mm. So that was um, a really big, yeah, a really big moment in getting help. So obviously I, I started seeing her on a regular basis and every single session was full on, but I did come out feeling lighter. And then obviously over the next three months as well, all those things I had taken on to fill space, I kind of, you know, I'd kind of made commitments. So the ones that I could kind of get out of, I got out of. The things that kind of had to be met, I met them, but didn't take on anything new at all for three months um, and just created space in my life basically. So, um, and that's obviously something I'm very big on now is what I call white space and that's having room for shit to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) having room for you know it's things like you know obviously back in the day like when I was at my worst like every single minute of the day was scheduled and you know I think we've all been in that situation where we've got one minute to get the kids in the car or you know two minutes to get to that set of lights and you know you go to put your child in the car and they've got a poo nappy and you have to go inside and change that and the five minutes it takes to change that completely detonates your entire day um, so that was obviously not a way to be living life. So I could have created a lot of white space in my days to allow for these things to happen because if that thing happened, you know, five years ago, um, that was just my whole day was screwed and my whole state of mind was completely gone. Whereas now, you know, something like that happens, I've got time and space for it to happen <laughs> as it should. Yeah, it's, so, that's huge. You know, the idea of having like building buffer or white space uh, into your day and it just allows you that level of flexibility that you're like, oh, you know, I spilled my coffee or, yeah. you know, someone called just as I was leaving. Like Those sorts of things, while they seem really minor to give yourself an extra 10 minutes to get out the door or whatever it is it's huge because when you're like you said when every moment of your day is scheduled when everything every second is accounted for and you need to be somewhere like that can work I guess if you live in a vacuum (laughs) if you live by yourself and work by yourself but when you add other people in you've got children you've got a partner you know you've got pets whatever you've got people who are running late for a meeting when you don't live in a vacuum which nobody does it's just it's impossible to to run you know like a machine because that's there's just so many other factors and to be able to build that that flexibility that time that kind of just a little bit of gentleness <laughs> into yeah. your day is massive and it's interesting because when i first kind of like got my you know like my blog's called a life less frantic and when i first kind of kind of tried to find up that concept in my head i was at the time very very busy and i thought you know what it's okay to be busy as long as you're intentional about it um, and mindful about it um, and you can still live a life first frantic by embracing. So I used to say it's, you know, it's about embracing the busy by living intentionally and that kind of got a little bit turned on its head last year. Um, I read a piece 
by um, a writer over here in Australia called Angela Mollard. Um, she has a column in one of the big big newspapers and she wrote a column about how when she lost her licence um, and what it did is it forced her to, you know, she had to take the bus. So all of a sudden, like, she just couldn't be efficient about how she did things anymore because, you know, you have to take a bus somewhere. It's going to take a lot longer to get there. Um, you can't fit as you just can't fit as much into your day when you're reliant on public transport. And that was kind of a real moment for me because you know. So even though I kind of I dealt with my um, the stress, anxiety, and depression side of things, and I was quite happy, I was still overly, overly busy and um, and quite happy being busy. But my and my days weren't quite as finely scheduled as you know down to the minute. But they were still like everything was done as efficiently as possible. So you know I had to go to the shops. I didn't just go to the shops at you know you know be at home and then I'll go oh I'm just going to dash up to the shops for ten minutes and come back. Like to me that was not efficient. So all my days were scheduled to be as highly efficient as they possibly could be. You know, if I was going to the doctor, I would ring to find out if they were on time to make sure that I wasn't going to arrive there and then wait for an hour in the change, you know, in the waiting room. Just things like that. You know, just so I could squeeze out an extra half hour of work or whatever. And once I read Angie's column, I just went, wow, this is you know, space in your day, space to be inefficient, like being deliberately inefficient. Um, That is quite a cool concept. I need to get on with that a bit. Um, And so what I started doing was building deliberate inefficiencies into my day. So I would go to the doctor and I wouldn't call ahead. And if he was running an hour behind, I just took the opportunity to just read and relax Um, And I knew I'd kind of nailed it a bit when I remember being at the bank one day and um, there was quite a big, you know, there was people doing long, complicated transactions. So by the time I got to the top of the line to do my long, complicated transaction, I'd been waiting a while and then it took a while to do what I had to do. And I remember the lady saying to me, gosh, I'm so sorry about how long this is all taking. I know you don't have time for this. And, um, And I actually kind of looked at her and went, I didn't say it, but I thought to myself, you know what? I actually do have time for this. <laughs> and that was just the best feeling. I can't even describe it. Like, you know, I got a little bit of a smug grin on my face, I have to admit, but it was just an amazing feeling to have time for things to not run efficiently. And that was, um, and since experiencing that feeling, uh, you know, I've kind of, it's helped keep me in line when you know whenever it gets tempting to kind of stack up life again as we want to do I kind of remember that moment and I almost think to myself is this going to allow you to stand in line at the bank for you know half an hour before it's your turn (laughs) because if it's not (laughs) you can't do it um that's I I love that I love the deliberate inefficiencies that you build into your day I think that's fantastic because so much of the stress that we feel is when you know, things don't run as efficiently as we want or when they don't run to our terms or our schedule, uh, you know, that's where a lot of a lot of us find stress because, you know, it's not in keeping with what we want from our days. But um, people often ask me, you know, about the whole slow living thing. Can yeah. you be busy and slow at the same time? Yeah. I think absolutely you can, you know. I don't think um, – there's busy, there's like periods of busyness, intentional yes. busyness, work is busy, you have, you know, a busy day, but there's there's busyness and then there's busy for the sake of busy, 
you know, yes. there's maintaining that level of busyness beyond what's necessary. And I think that's where that's where the difference lies. You know, you can have a busy, slow life. I was speaking with Carl Honoré um, uh, a few episodes ago, and he's yeah. a busy guy, but he's also a slow living advocate. Yeah, I listened you know? to that one. I, li- I liked what he had to say about that. Because do you know what? I think it's the difference between being deliberately busy and being busy just because you can be. Um, you know, when you create that nice space and then you just go, all right, there's space there. I can feel that. And I think that's busy because you can be yep. as opposed to, you know, that, you know, as you say, like you look ahead a couple of weeks and go, you know what, that week up there, that that is going to be a bit full on, but I know it's going to be. And I, and then you create space, almost create space around that. Like, you know, we've had a couple of quite overscheduled weekends, which I never, ever do, but they've just worked out that way. So this weekend we have zero plans and deliberately so because I knew that those previous two weekends we've just had, we're going to need that buffer of this weekend where we have nothing and it's amazing. (laughs) Exactly. We're exactly the same. You know, I will have weeks where I'm up early every day to do interviews, um, but I'm aware of that, you know, and I think part part of it is also being – organized is not quite the right word, but uh, but being organized enough – so aware. I it, think organ- exactly. aware. Yeah. I think aware is a really good word, you know, to, to just know what's coming and have systems in place that allow you to, you know, to work through that period of busyness as painlessly as possible. Yes. <laughs> and then you get to the other side and you've got that buffer. You've got that quiet weekend or you've got that Friday night where you don't do anything or, you know, you you say to yourself, it's okay that I'm going to sit here with a book and a glass of red wine and not do yep. anything <laughs> for two hours, uh, you know, because that kind of stuff, that buffer, that I think that's that's really the key. And I, what you were saying before about the difference between being busy and being busy for the sake of busyness is, you know, filling that empty space just because. And I often wonder what it is that used to drive me to do that and what it is that drives people Mm -hmm. to do that. And I think part of it, at least with me, it used to be um, fear and self-esteem and, you know, a a kind of terror that I wasn't contributing enough, I wasn't doing enough. Ego ego is a big one. I'm a big fan of ego. I I like it. Um, I like having having a solid ego. But we do make, I think I wrote about this a little while ago, where I look at decisions that I'm making or I look at things that I'm being asked to do these days and I just do a little check with myself that if the only reason you're saying yes to that is ego-related, just have a think about it. Like I'm not saying don't do it, but if it's the only reason, give it a give it a second thought because um, I think egos. I know for me, that's what fills space a lot <laughs> over pretty much everything else. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's kind of a, a self importance thing. It's a yeah. I think sometimes it's a, it's a liking to be liked thing. It's exactly. a liking to feel useful thing. Um, and I mean, I know this is my big problem is that I don't just want, you know, the people in my immediate sphere to love me and know that or think that I'm important or, you know, it's all good that my son and daughter like love my cuddles and, and yeah, I'm number one, poor aunt, he gets to be number two. Um, <laughs> it's all good for me to know my husband loves me and that my you know siblings need me. But I um, have this massive need to be awesome for everybody, like 
you know, the guy in the cafe down, you know, next door to our office, I need him to think I'm amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, like the person at the petrol station who's serving me, I make sure to give them a big smile and look them in the eye because they must think I too. Yeah. It's just everybody and um, there's just a real line there that has that I cross a lot and I need to pull back from it. So that's kind of what I mean when I say ego is that, it is that liking to be liked and having everybody think that you're all that. It, yeah, and it's not just you know a few people. It's like it must be every single person that I come across in the world must think I'm amazing. My God, you just got like a direct line to my brain. <laughs> Ben's gonna listen to this and go, "Oh my God, <laughs> there's two of them. It's terrifying." <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's. I mean, that's it's so true, and it's um. I think it's something that I know I'm recognizing a lot more as I get older too and I'm becoming it's becoming less like I'm I'm definitely getting better at just owning who I am and owning the fact yeah. that not everyone's going to agree with me or not everyone's going to think the same and that's fine I've never been you know that that's not so much the problem but you know there's a whole host of reasons why why people might not <laughs> pay attention to you or might not, you know, enjoy what you have yes. to say or whatever. And it's, it's usually their thing. Exactly. It's usually nothing to do. Well, 9,000 times out of, you know, it's it's nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. But it's the, it's the inner control freak that you kind of think you, you have control over what people think. And I think there's also the thought of if they don't like me, it's because they don't know me well enough. And so you double down. And, yes. And, <laughs> instead of going... This person doesn't factor into my life. It doesn't really matter what they think of me or not. But then you can't help but think, but the only reason they don't like me is, you know, because that one little thing and if they just knew me better and it doesn't matter. So this is this is my husband coming through now because he's forever having to kind of remind me of this. And as you say, get, you get better at it. So the more that you're aware of it, the more you catch yourself doing it and the more you kind of have, you know, you're able to very consciously go right it does not matter. Yeah. Get on, move on, move on. Exactly. You know, the energy that you're expending worrying about yes. this is something you could be doing something useful with. It. That's right. That's right. Uh, or, you know, or you could be doing nothing. It could be more buffer time, more white space. Um, yes. So uh, do you believe in work-life balance? Um, no. No. Because well, I don't believe in balance. Um, the work-life thing is, you know, that's always going to be a contentious thing. But it's the whole concept of balance I see as a moment in time. And if we're always shooting for a moment, that moment in time, we're just we're, we're just gonna, not going to get there. We're just going to be constantly frustrated and angry at our inability to meet it. So I see it as, um, what, oh, I can't think of the word, the um, <clears throat> as rangers. I get the only the best thing that I can think of, and I just wish I could remember where I first saw this. But I tend to, rather than striving for balance, I use the traffic light system, where because um, you know, so rather than so I think okay, so re- I break up all the areas of my life, you know, relationships, work, um, relationships with my kids, partner how I'm going at work and if ever I start to feel like I'm, you know, the worst person in the world and I'm not achieving anything, I kind of go, right, traffic light system and I look at my entire day and I apply whether it's, you know, a green light means, you know, that was a good day, I did well, you know, kind of achieved my 
my ideal or close to our ideal for that day, you know, me as a person. Um, Amber is, you know, it wasn't great, but it wasn't, you know, the worst thing either. I, I did pretty good. And then Red is like, you know, I really wasn't my best self today in that regard. And, you know, I need to work and I need to work on that better. Um, and I apply that to all the areas of my life. And if, you know, so with regard to parenting, I think people like me, it's very easy for me to have like one, you know, bad moment with my kids where I've yelled at them. Um, hardly ever yell. So if I yell, it's a big thing. And, and then I feel really angry and upset with myself that I let because when I yell at my kids, it's never because of anything they've done. It's mm-hmm. because I'm tired or irritable or it's always something in my world. Um, so I feel like it's a lack of control that I've let myself do that. So it's very easy for me to get very angry and down at myself for letting that happen. And I can look at it and go, oh, that was just a terrible thing to do and you're the worst person in the world, Kelly. So then I apply the traffic light system to it and I go, okay, on the whole, over the whole course of this day, were you a good mum to your kids? Um, and, you know, nine times out of ten you go, well, yeah, that was totally a green. Like I had that one tiny little incident, but other than that, it was a great day. Um, and so it just, yeah, it takes a more expansive view of the world. So, you know, if I'm looking for balance, then I'm looking for being the perfect mum, the perfect wife, the perfect, you know, business owner, the perfect employee, and I'm trying to be perfect in every area. Exactly. Um, Whereas using that traffic light system allows me to just keep an eye on every aspect of my life. And, you know, if something's in the amber a lot, I kind of look at that and go, right, well, that's an area in my life that, you know, something, there's obviously pressure somewhere that's causing that and that pressure needs to be relieved. What do I need to do? So, yeah, that's a very long-winded way of going, no, I don't believe in balance. <laughs> no, that's, um, that's awesome, actually. I. I I take a, a really similar view. I've never sort of heard of the traffic light approach, but mine is the idea of tilting rather than balance. Yes. Because balance <laughs> is like, – you try, you try and remain balanced. You know, I talk about slacklining yes. a lot. Like, um, yeah. And you, you to, to maintain balance is exhausting and not particularly productive. No. Um, you know, <laughs> so instead – finding you know finding the things that are important and tilting towards them willingly you know willingly throwing yourself off balance if that's the way you want to look at it and yeah. <laughs> uh over you know a period of a week a month six months a year looking back and saying you know did i tilt in the right directions at the right time and i think it's that expansive view of how you're doing life rather than trying to balance between these separate areas that aren't really separate, like work no, and life that's and family. Right. You know, they're all you and they're all your life and they all feed into each other. So to try and maintain them as separate entities as well, I think is it's not helpful. And no, I feel like that's where, you know, the the feelings of resentment and um, you know, frustration come into it when we, we're trying to, to maintain a balance that is it's really it's, it's not, not helpful possible. yeah it's not at all it's uh yeah and that is that, that i think that's just the worst thing that anybody can strive for and whoever coined that term <laughs> I know. let's find them and hunt them down exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no I, I really love that traffic light thing um, yeah i didn't even explain it very well i have to like i'm, I'm gonna obviously agonize about this uh you know for days after we chat today um about how i could have explained that better but hopefully <laughs> replay the uh the conversation over and over yeah, yeah. let me yeah. do a do a do-over book <laughs> <laughs> 
Because I was like, I'm not perfectionist at all. No, no, I wouldn't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had a really interesting conversation with one of my guests a few weeks ago who um, he runs a podcast called The One You Feed and it's about the two wolves inside of us. You know, each of us has a good wolf and a bad wolf and it's about choosing the wolf that you you're going to feed you know choosing to live a more meaningful kind of positive life and i asked him if i thought that perfectionism belonged to the good wolf or the bad wolf um he said that was a good question yeah he had a really interesting answer and he didn't he's he sort of said well first of all i don't think the wolves are necessarily good and bad but you know maybe productive and unproductive or something like that but um he said i think perfectionism really straddles the two in kind of an uncomfortable but necessary way because and it's true you know I think yes perfectionism is something that has been a really has had a really harsh impact on my life in some instances like it stops me from doing things it stops me from enjoying things it stops me from feeling proud of things because they're not perfect but then it's also uh responsible for getting stuff done and you yeah, know, well, being a huge good at things. Driver, isn't yeah. It? yeah. So it's interesting. You know, I feel like my perfectionism probably has taken a back seat over the last couple of years, which I'm grateful for. Um, yeah. You know, I'm getting, it's allowing me to, to, to release more and try more and experiment more and not be so tied to results. And that's yeah. something that I'm, I'm usually comfortable with, not always, but <laughs> it's usually a positive, but what about you? I mean, obviously it's something, it's part of, you perfectionism but is it something that you embrace or you know dislike um my perfectionism mainly manifests in the way i spoke about before the whole relating to people and make trying to control the entire world into just thinking i'm amazing so um so that manifested poorly when i was running our business because I just felt like I couldn't just um, do a good job for our clients. I had to do an amazing job. I had to, if there was a miscommunication anywhere, it just killed me that I didn't anticipate that miscommunication before it happened and cut it off at the pass. And um, and it's still, you know, because I'm still, you know, even though I don't run our business anymore, I'm still hugely involved in it. And obviously I'm in, you know, my main interest in our business is ensuring that we are serving our clients in the best possible way. Um, and I run a graphic and web design business just to give some context for your, your listeners. Um, and so, yeah, so I do get very, very upset when, you know, when someone's upset at us because I think, oh, you know, there's something we should have done to anticipate that they might get upset about that and, you know, put something in place to stop that happening. Um, So that is something that I'm probably going to always be working on, but it's definitely something I've gotten a bit better at. You know, obviously Ant has a huge influence in kind of looking, just giving me a look now and going, seriously, like, is that even vaguely in the realms of realism? Um, (laughs) What what you're saying there? And I kind of look at him and go, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> it's the mind reading thing. Like I try to read people's minds. It's a little bit my personality type. I'm an INFJ. Um, you an INFJ? Um, no, I think I'm an I, uh, IN, oh, INS. I don't know now. Well, INFJs really have a deep-seated need to understand people. Um so it's a um, like that's that's our big driver in life is understanding people and helping them organize their lives basically, um, and yeah. So 
I, I get very frustrated and upset at myself if I feel like I've missed the ball with, um, with understanding them. And that's the major, major area where perfectionism really ruins my life. <laughs> and, um, and I've, you know, it's a work in progress. I'm getting better, but it's, yeah, it's a daily, daily battle to, to stay on top of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I, 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 um, I hear you. It's, <laughs> I, I, sometimes I feel like it's such a an eye roll worthy thing to complain about too. I, I don't know. know. It's you know I'm sure there's people listening who are like, uh, like really? that's your problem. Yeah, God. <laughs> I know, and it's it's a very very. But I think like it's like so say my husband's very practical, very um. So he's an ISTJ. So he's also um he's a thinker, not a feeler. So he just he's very black and white kind of. That's how he thinks. Right. And so he just looks at how I think and he just does not understand it at all. And he just thinks that there is such a simple solution to how I think and that is to just not do it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that's what I'm saying. So if anyone out there is just listening going, like, well, what is this with you guys? Like, it's it's not that hard. Like, it, it is that hard um, and you have to kind of be that way to get it. But you know, it's just another thing that has to be worked on. It's we, we all have our things. And, um, again, like I said before, it's awareness is the first step to kind of making it not ruin your life. Exactly. Kind of being able to put it in, in its, in its box and say, well, that's part of it, but that's not the whole picture. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just kind of mindful of our time, but there's a couple of questions that I wanted to ask. Um, so are you, do you work, full-time yes yeah so last year um so I kind of worked full-time hours around you know I've got so right now I um this year I took an external role outside of our business because I needed to be able to draw a line in the sand I was trying to work part-time in our business and if anyone that owns a business knows you just can't do Mm -hmm. that it's quite difficult to do um you just get sucked back in so I had to draw a line in the sand because last year was quite a tough year for me and for us so I took an external role and so effectively you know during school hours while my son's at school 9 30 to 2 30 um well he's at school 9 till 3 but 9 till 9 30 to 2 30 is when I can work I do my external role and then kind of you know around those Outside of those hours, I do a bit of stuff for our business um, and also for my writing as well. So I am working pretty much full-time hours. Definitely But that's a yeah. definite um, improvement over last year where I was working greater than full-time hours with a child at school and that was, that was not good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the reason I ask, um, uh, I think you'll probably have some really interesting insights into this, but I get a bit of pushback from people um, about the fact that a lot of my guests uh, who have adopted like a slower, simpler, more intentional life are either single income families or people who um, work from home part time, yeah. you know, and the kind of argument, which I, I completely understand is that's not most people's situations. Yeah. So um, do you think that it's easier for people who are in that kind of situation where someone's working from home or they're part-time or a single-income family. Do you think it's easier for those for that kind of situation to become about slow and simple living or do you think that it's possible for people who are both full-time workers outside the home to also adopt it? 
Yeah, I, I think it's possible for everyone because do you know what I think the greatest challenge to, to living a simpler life is? Um, the challenge is pressure and it doesn't matter who we are, whether we're working full-time or working part-time or, you know, stay home, you know, one, one partner's at home while the other's working, you know, we all have pressures and the pressures are the threats to being able to take that, um, you know, that slower living kind of um, mindset and make it work. So, yeah, so obviously work, like even last year, which was not, you know, last year I was I was doing the 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. shift then I was doing the 9.30 to 2.30 shift and then I was doing like the 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift and that was not fun but I will I will maintain that and this is obviously why my husband was also working full-time in the business and um and I would still say that we were still managing to live what I consider a life less frantic and and a simple life and you know I I, and also you know because I still managed you know those days were full-on and crazy but I still created space in those days for the things that I wanted to do, for the things that, you know, I wanted to be able to do with my family, for the things that um, I needed to be able to do for myself. Um, so it's definitely possible. But, the, you know, the reason we stopped, I stopped doing what we did last year was from, you know, a pressure point of view. Like we were managing to live this simple life and this lifeless frantic, but despite that, there was still too much pressure. So I did things to remove that pressure and that's what's made this year easier and more fun but yeah I just think it's it's a mindset thing and more often than not it's just you know when I don't if you're like me when you're under pressure your default is you kind of go go to what you know and what I know is to just do more stuff um Mm -hmm. so I was quite proud of myself last year that despite being under intense pressure for the whole year I did not fall back into that mode of okay, the only way to cope with this is to do more. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if that I've answered your question, but um, I, do, I do truly believe it's, it's open to anybody. It's, you know, we can all create space. We're creating space um, and creating that, those, mo- you know, it, it's a mindset rather than, you know, exactly what you're doing. And none of us are doing it perfectly. Like, you know, no simple living proponent person is not busy or I think that's the other thing people get in their head that this is what a simple life looks like and and that's just not going to be possible for me because I do this but it's just no no simple life looks the same exactly no you know your life doesn't look the same today as it does tomorrow um but it's just more the mindset and the the mindfulness and the awareness of knowing where you're going and what you want from life for your family and as long as you know that that you're getting there. I think that's a, that's a key thing. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's always been my approach as well. It's not, there's not a set of rules. I think that Mm. that people need to follow that, you know, life needs to look like this or you need to own this many things or, you know, your house can't be any bigger than this or you can't, you know, I don't think that that's, that's not the point at all. It's about, you know, intention and um, the mindset and, I really do believe that even when you're busy, you can maintain a mindset of slow um, yeah. and simple. And it's about 
kind of you you can you can still be a very busy person with you know a full life and cut out the things that aren't essential and yeah and that's really what it comes down to isn't it is being mindful about what is important and what is actually essential and important and still doing those things and then looking at the other stuff and going yeah applying the just because I can do this doesn't mean I should kind of rule to it effectively I mean that's what I guess what I've had to do over the years I always used someone asked me to do something or an opportunity would present itself and I would go can I do this well yeah I can because I can do anything but once I started applying the filter of should I do this you know just because I can doesn't mean I should should I do this and I don't like using should a lot but you know we all know we're not we're not silly we all know whether we should or shouldn't do something um, in our guts and having the courage to go just because I can do that thing no I'm but I know I shouldn't and I'm going to say no I think that's a really big thing that anyone can do and I think that's a real good foundation for yeah for a simple mindset yeah I think that gut check is really important because, and I think it actually becomes much easier to ask yourself, you know, what am I thinking? Should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? When you have in place some kind of why, you know, when you understand what it is you're aiming for, when you understand why you want to slow down or simplify or, you know, live a more mindful life, like what, what are you wanting to gain from that? And when you've got that answer, it might be because I want to work part-time. It might be because, um, you know, we want to travel more. It might be because my mental health is suffering or my physical health, whatever it is, you know. If you sit down and you figure out why it is that you want this different way of life, this slower, you know, simpler way of life, keeping that in the back of your mind when you ask yourself, should I do this? is so it makes it so much simpler to answer yes or no and be okay with the answer you know yeah. there's like recently i've had to say no to a couple of things that i've really like on the surface of them i've wanted to do them yeah and that's you know it's been a, a difficult um a difficult kind of thing for me to come to grips with because i'm at the point end now you know these are real big decisions yeah. but uh when i ask myself is it in keeping with my priorities is it in keeping with why we're doing this and why we we started down this path in the first place and if the answer is no then that's my answer you know and it's it doesn't necessarily make it fun <laughs> to no, say no but easy. it makes it easier <laughs> it's not easy it's, it's a muscle isn't it yeah yeah i think um it's funny i went to um anthony and i went to a conference earlier this year and um it was funny because i it was a um, kind of entrepreneurial, um, you know, for people who own businesses type conference. And um, it was weird. I came away from that conference with real clarity about, you know, I think I, I always think I've got real clarity about what I want from life and that's just time with my family, like really quality time where I'm not distracted and vague and, you know, I, I want to be there and be present with them. But this conference kind of helped me clarify that, okay, you know, you know, Anthony and I both work full time and that's fine. Um but here's our goal. We don't want to open our laptops in the evenings um, once the kids go to bed and we don't want to open our laptops on the weekends either. Um, and once, you know, and kind of to, sounds like such a simple thing to some people but it was just something that we weren't being able to achieve. And then once I knew that, like once we got back from that conference, we did, you know, we just tweaked a few things in our life 
And yeah, so now each evening when the kids go to bed and I sit on the couch and we watch our favorite program together, and I won't say what it is because it's footy related, which is so lame, <laughs> um, but we watch our one program um, and, then we, and then we go to bed and that sounds like, really, that's, that's your, you know, big deal kind of thing. But it's a really, it is a really big deal for us to be able to do that because we weren't before. We were both, you know, kids go to bed and then we're both rushing to get back on our laptops in separate rooms and do a little bit more work before going to bed and, you know, start again tomorrow and do the, do the same thing. So even though life was not frantic and not full on and lots of white space and no rushing and that was great, we still kind of didn't have that thing, that connection between us. And just being able to have that now. So, again, now if, again, something presents itself and I think, could I, should I do this? And then I kind of look at that. Well, is this going to affect my ability to sit on the couch with my husband at night? Um, and if it is, then no. Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to affect our ability as, to hang out as a family? Because, you know, when you work full time, your kids are in daycare and at school. We don't see our kids a huge deal during the week. So our weekends are hugely precious. So is anything going to affect um, impact on those precious weekends? Then no. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's still hard. <laughs> it is, yeah. But I think it's having that clarity. And, I mean, you say like the goal of not opening your laptop on the weekends or at night is is kind of a small, silly one. But I don't think it is. I think that's where the, the power of it lies because that informs everything else that you do and everything that you say yes to or no to and how you structure everything else so that you keep those that time as as precious you know it's um i think that's really non-negotiable isn't it yeah i think we need to know what the non-negotiables in our life are because that just makes things easier like you know it still kills you to have to say no to you know a really big deal kind of opportunity but you'll know deep down in your gut that it's the right thing to do and when you say no you'll feel that lightning of, oh, okay. Exactly. I didn't want to say no. It was really hard to say no, but your gut tells you, yeah, well, that's the right thing. And you, exactly. <laughs> you know immediately that it was the right thing. Like when I've yeah. said no just this past week, and I, like I hate, I, I really hate saying no, but it's something yeah. that I've had to work on in small and big things over the last few years. And when I did, uh, you know, and I got off the call, I'm like, oh, you know, that was tough, but right. And you know, but right, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, this has been fabulous. Um, thank you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I had a, a whole list of questions, and we got through you know some of them, but I think it was just a great chat. I feel like, yes. um, yeah, we're solving the world's problems. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like we went for a run together, and we did exactly. This is the conversations I used to have with my friends when, I, when we used to go for runs together. You do solve the world's problems when you do that. You do, yeah. Um, yeah, no, so thank you for joining us. Um, one thing before I say goodbye, you've just released um, a book uh, on Amazon, I think, uh, Your Best yes. Year Ever. Yes. Uh, so should people just head to your website to find a link to that or should they just head to yeah, Amazon? Yeah, I think if they just go, if you, um, so it's just yourbestyearever.me. Um, if they head there, it will, they'll be able to find out all about the book, find out what it's about, find out what people are saying about it and there's links for, you know, if you want the paperback or if you want the Kindle or if you want the PDF. So it's available in all those formats and, um, yeah. 
congratulations on putting the book out. It's awesome. Thank you very much. Yes. No, I'm quite I am quite proud of it. I, you know when you read something of your own and you you're kind of a bit nervous rereading it and then you read it and you go, Yeah, this is actually <laughs> pretty good <laughs> that was a good relief so yeah hopefully um people do seem to enjoy it and they do it's uh, i will say for your readers it's very up your readers your listeners it's a very short sharp read and the feedback that i've gotten is that people really appreciate that it's very short but packs a packs a big punch packs lots of aha moments into it and that was my goal for it so it's nice to hear that it's kind of hitting that mark oh absolutely it's very motivating and um clarifying too i think you've got a way of of writing things that cut right down to the core of of the issue and i think that's something that people will really appreciate because it's um it's it's a rare book actually that does that you know, it's we go back to the whole ego thing, and you know, you pat it out yeah. to two hundred pages just because yeah. it's more impressive to have a thick book. You know, whereas your your book is just, um, you know, positive and encouraging and supportive, but also very you know direct, and it just talks to what people want from life, and you know, you provide really awesome insight into it. So I think, yeah, definitely go and check out yourbestyouever.me and um, grab yourself a copy. Thank you, Brooke. That's quite all right. Well, I will talk to you soon. Awesome. All right. Lovely as always chatting with you. Thanks, Brooke. Thank you, Kelly. This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.